morning, everyone. Bless you, bless you, and bless our Heavenly Father. You know, wonderful thing is that <laughs> David exhorted us in the Psalms to bless the Lord. The amazing thing that God can be blessed by us. It's, it's always the other way around. <laughs> oh, Lord, what a wonderful God we serve. And the old song, what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. That takes me way back. <laughs> They're all true. All the Psalms, all those old songs, they're all true. He's a great God. And I pray by the end of this service, we get to see him greater and mightier and holier and just more awesome than when we walked in here. Or you on the live stream, I pray that by the, the time the service is over, you're encouraged and blessed and be able to say it was good to um, stream into the house of the Lord. <laughs> I pray that someday you be with us. But welcome. Please give us a thumbs up, a like, and a share. Someone and uh, you in the house, if you get silence and mute your uh, cell phones, iPads, pacemakers, uh, whatever you got that you might beep. <laughs> but let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your mercy and your goodness and your kindness towards us this week. To my knowledge, no one in this room has starved. I don't know about my brothers and sisters on the live stream. They may have gone without. I don't know the trials that all of us have been through and those on the live stream, but God, you have brought us through to this moment. And we thank you for that. If we said, done, or thought anything this week, even just driving up here that's not pleasing to you. We ask you to cleanse us and forgive us, oh God. We're sorry, Lord, if we offended you. And we just want to make it right and just have nothing interfere. We're hearing the word and to praise and honor you. Lord, I pray that during this time of singing these songs, oh God, that you will free us from distractions, free us from the condemn condemnation of the enemy, free us from the condemnation of our own selves, oh God. We turn to you. You are the only one that has the words of life, and we run to you. We run into your arms, oh God. Thank you that through your son, Jesus Christ, we can enter into the very throne room of heaven. To obtain grace and mercy in our time of need. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. function. Two, and one. <laughs> 
and I rise up in the morning and open my eyes. Let me be singing out a new song, a new song to you. When I rise up in the morning, open my eyes. Let me be singing out a new song, a new song to you. Singing, Jesus is good. Singing, Jesus is kind. Singing, Jesus. and her 
can measure your word. Heavenly Father, please open my eyes to see. Heavenly Father, you're everything that I need. Lord, help me to lay it down. Everything in my heart is for you Give you the honor for all that you do upon your faithfulness and promises I stand. I lift my hands, I give you praise for your great mercy and amazing grace with all that I am. I lift my hands. Jack, you bless me, Jack. Hallelujah. 
playing like David. <laughs> Hallelujah. Play on their harp like David. Hallelujah. sun comes up, it's a new day dawning, it's time to sing your song again, whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing.
Some of us here, and for myself, not many of us, but some of us know that, uh, know what it's like to grow up without a father. And when I got saved, I found out that my Heavenly Father was there all along. He says in his word, he's a father to the orphan. And um, I want to thank him because he's still showing me what a father should look like. After all these years of being a father, what a great father he is. A provider, a counselor, a defender, forgives and receives us back when we messed up. Thank you. What a great father he is. Gives a good spanking every once in a while, too. Somebody has no spanking like the spanking of the Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. And it's appropriate. It's not out of anger. That's right. <laughs> he uses the right instruments. <laughs> Pastor Grady made me laugh last laugh, laugh week with, with Samson. Arr! <laughs> that cracked me up. <laughs> Lord, <laughs> Lord's not like that. He has the right instrument to use. <laughs> I'm gonna sing this one. And I've heard a thousand stories of what they think. Tender whispers of love in the dead of night, you tell me that you're pleasing that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father, it's who you are, it's who you are. 
Papa, whatever you whatever you call. And we, we know you're one too. Come on, put your guitar down, let her just kinda go with the with the keyboard there. Some of us need more prayer than others. Come on, guys. Well, I'm glad you guys are here. I'm going to tell you something. The church and this nation is short of godly men. And the fact that you're here this morning, you're blessing God. You know, it's, it's funny. We, we hear, God bless America. God bless me. God bless me. But the truth is, is, when men are on their knees, when men are seeking the Lord, when men are, are in relationship with Jesus Christ, you're blessing God. He is a good, good father. And many times, all of us have grown up in different environments. We don't know sometimes what a good father is. The example that we might have gotten, or other people that we know, the example that they got, was not necessarily a good father. But what we have to do is we have to come and we say, okay, God, you're beyond our understanding when it comes to what a real good father is, but we know that the Spirit of God is good. He's all good. Now you can look at him and say, well, if he's all that good, how's this happening? That's happening. Listen, in his goodness, he's allowing his mercy to pour over those that are in sin right now so that they will have the chance to repent. 
But for those that are here this morning, we're in a place where we can say, Abba, Father, we are yours, and we want to be yours, and we want to serve you, and we want to thank you, God, for pouring into us that we may pour into our children, that they may pour into their children. But we as men have to take a stand for God. And this morning you're here. That's a stand. We are standing. So I'm just going to briefly walk through and I'm just going to lay my hand upon each one of you and I'm just going to pray God's blessing upon you. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you so much for this gentleman here. And your name is Casey. Casey. Yes, Casey. Lord, I just pray for him and I just pray you'll just encourage him and strengthen him, Lord, in the power of your word and the power of your strength, Lord. Raise him up to be the man of God that you want him to be because he is here, Lord, seeking you, desiring you, And all of us, Lord, here today, that's our hope and that's our goal is to be closer to you. So I lift him up to you, Lord. I lift up all of these men, Lord. I lay hands upon each one and I thank you so much that you brought them here this morning. Their hearts are for you. May you pour your heart into them. Lift them up, O God, and let them be according to your plan for their life. Let them lay their own desires, their own plans, their own wishes down. And let them walk in accordance to your word and your plan for their life. And in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for these men. And I thank you, Lord, that you have raised them up to be fathers. You've raised them up to be godly men. And I just pray in the name of Jesus that you pour your spirit into them, Lord. And minister them and hold them, Lord. Hold them in the trials because there's many trials. There's many distractions. But, Lord, you're the God that sustains all things. And if you created all things, you can sustain us in it. And I thank you for that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, and I thank you. Again, for these men that you have brought, and, and Lord, they're side by side with us. They are, they are striving with us, Lord, to, to be what you want us to be and to be a part of what you want us to be here in this body and in this church, Lord. And in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these that you brought. And I pray blessings upon them, their families, their kids. Strengthen them, O Lord, in the power and the strength and the might of the Holy Spirit. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that you have sent us a variety of different people from different backgrounds, from different places, but we're all in one spirit. We're all of one God. And I thank you, Lord, that you've sent these men. I just pray in the name of Jesus that your spirit would touch and pour out. Thank you for healing you're bringing upon Tony. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you poured into his life. I pray in the name of Jesus you'll sustain him and bring him closer and closer to you. And I thank you, Lord, for all of these guys that you're just putting, you're bringing them one by one, side by side with us, to stand together in the name of Jesus. And we praise you for that, Lord. We love you and we praise you for that. And Father, I thank you. I worship you this morning. I thank you for the, the new faces. I thank you, Lord, for the older faces. I thank you, Lord, that you just you have sustained us in the way that only you can. And you are strengthening us in the power of your might. You're strengthening us with the power that you're pouring into these men. I pray they will be prayer warriors. I pray they will stand upon the word of God. And I pray they will be strengthened. And I pray, O God, that you would move on their behalf and on behalf of all the men, Lord, who stand not just in this body today, but upon all the men who are standing upon your word, who are being lifted up and saying, we want to be godly men. We want to surrender. We want to be in your power, not in ours. We want to stand in your strength, not in ours. And in the name of Jesus, I praise you for each one of these men that you brought today. And I just, again, ask that you just lift each one of them up in a special way. Because, again, from different backgrounds, from different places, we all maybe hear you a different way. But, Lord, you can speak to each one who has an ear to hear. And may you strengthen 
and, and just dig the foundation even deeper, Lord, with each one of these men's heart to be the fathers, the husbands, the sons of God that you've called them to be and lift them up and use them mightily in your kingdom. And I just want to speak over each one of you here. Some of you are younger, some of you are older, but God has got a plan for each one of you. He's not done with anybody standing here today. There is a plan. His plan will come forth. His plan will be done because He's in control. He is in control of all things. He's in control of each one of us when we surrender. And we may kick back sometimes and think we know best. And, and as we said, a, a good spanking can come in order. God can do what He needs to do. But the truth is, when we're humble before Him, He embraces us, He lifts us up, and He uses us for His glory. Stand strong, men, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Please stand. <laughs> Our reading is from 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay straw each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is if anyone's work which he has built on it endures he will receive a reward if anyone's work is burned he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved Yet so as through fire. You may be seated and we could dismiss our children. Good morning. Good morning. Slide my stool up a little bit there. I hope not be using this next week. Ned says I hope not either. It's his comfortable seat he usually sits on. He's got a hard one back there right now. I've seen, I saw Ned standing up last week. I thought he was in worship, but he's just giving himself a break. <laughs> Good to see y'all here this morning. And again, happy Father's Day. Thank you all for coming today. We're going to continue our study in Judges. If you have your Bibles, open to Judges chapter 16. Our title this morning is, What Foundation Are You Building On? So, Father, we ask that you speak to us. We thank you that your spirit is present. We know your spirit is present, as we even mentioned earlier in the prayer room, Lord, because those who have come have brought you with him and her, and you are here. And so, Lord, we just ask that you now take control, speak to us, teach us, counsel us, encourage us, and draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in our last study, we saw Sanger's, uh, Samson's anger issues. What was it? Y'all like that for some reason, I don't know. He continued when he went to visit his wife, and he found that she had been given to another man. And every time Samson acted out, it brought pain to those around him. And we covered that a lot last week, that our sin doesn't just affect us. Uh, when, we, when we act out in our emotions, and our emotions tend to be in control, 
it affects all those in our circle and sometimes beyond because our circle also has circles. And so whatever we act out and however we, we respond, it, it can flow down and have the ripple effect. And when he first told his, the answer uh, of, of the riddle to his wife, he went out and killed 30 men because she, she went and told. She told the riddle out of fear. Well, that angered Samson. So he, he knew he had to pay in clothing, so he went and killed 30 men and took their clothing. Then he lost his wife and, and her father. They were burned with fire for these actions. And then with the foxes and the torches and the burning of the Philistine food supply, it was another issue. And at this point, it turned them toward him. It's like, hey, you know, this is not going to continue. We've got to get this man stopped. Now, God in his sovereignty used Samson and his flawed character to exact judgment on the Philistines. But that doesn't change the fact that he didn't walk in humility. Samson never walked in humility. We looked at the fact that today we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of each of us, and we grieve him when we act out in our flesh, when we allow our emotions to be in control. When we're not walking in the spirit, but walking in the flesh, it grieves the Holy Spirit. He's dwelling in us. Do you think he doesn't sense it, doesn't know it, doesn't feel it? Of course he does. And it grieves him when we walk in our flesh. We're to die to the old man and live as the new man in the spirit. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, this is not just a, a fantasy here. This is the reality of who we are in Christ. If we're in relationship, if we're walking in humility, we are a new person. We're no longer bound by the law of sin and death. We're no longer in captivity to the flesh. It now becomes a choice. Because we see the truth, we know the truth, and we've seen the flesh... We know the lies, so what are we going to do? What direction are we going to go? Now this week, we'll see how Samson continued to live his life in self-indulgence, and it brings him to an unpleasant end. So let's begin here in Judges chapter 16. Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. When the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low until midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city, and the two gateposts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. So we see Samson now sleeping with a harlot. I'm sure it's another thing he knew he wasn't supposed to do. Samson was taught. Samson was given instruction. Just like the angel gave the angel of the Lord gave instruction to his mother and his father, they passed that along. But Samson did not heed to those instructions. And he pretty much did what he wanted to do. The only one that we know of to this point going to change shortly but the only one that we know is about his hair that's the only one that he did not disregard everyone else, everything else he touched unclean things he drank things he shouldn't drink he's now sleeping with harlots all of these things 
went against what we know he was taught. He continued this pattern of selfish motivation, and it plagues him his whole life. Now, as we looked last week, a Christian today cannot live his or her life this way and expect that God is okay with it. He's not. God does not allow us to live in sin. You cannot abide there. The two places, living in Jesus and living in the flesh, they do not coexist. They cannot coexist. There has to be one that we surrender to. I'm not saying you can't slip and fall. What I'm saying is, is if you slip and fall, there's conviction. The Holy Spirit brings that conviction. If you receive that conviction and repent, and you're re- restored in relationship with Jesus. If, however, you somewhere along the line decide, I think God's okay with this. I mean, after all, I struggle with it so much. If he really wanted it gone, he'd just take it. So I'm just, I'm okay with this, and I'm sure God's okay with this. There's a lie, and that lie is going to get you in trouble. Now, we're all born into sin, but we all must be, what? Born again. John 3, 1, 8. There was a man of a Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with you or with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born in the, in the is Spirit is born it is his spirit. I'm sorry, which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. See, when we're born again, we're born into the Spirit. The flesh now must die in order for the Spirit to live. Again, they cannot coexist within the body. Now, I haven't heard a lot of emphasis on verse 8 here in John chapter 3, but Jesus really sums up what being born again really looks like. If you think about it in this perspective, in our fleshly nature, we decide what we're going to do. We go where we want to go. We practice what we want to practice. We engage in what we want to engage in because it, it fulfills the fleshly desires. And we feel like we're in control. Now, ultimately, we're not in control. We're in bondage. But we still make these choices, and we still decide we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, we're going to do this, and we'll do that. But when we are born again, we give that up to the Holy Spirit. And this is a key point of a relationship with Jesus Christ. When you give yourself over, you are no longer your own. Now, most believers understand this concept, but when it really comes to where the, mother, the rather, <laughs> rubber meets the road, it's all going to get out at some point. I've only got 10 pages of notes, and the way it's going is going to be 3 o'clock. Just hang in there with me. But when it really comes down to it, we don't actually practice that as much as we say we believe it. Because it's easier to say, well, God understands. God knows my struggles. God doesn't really want this. God, God wants all of you. 
He doesn't just want a part of you. A relationship with Jesus is not a part-time job. It's not something we report on Sunday mornings or Wednesdays or even our assigned prayer times that we, we, we decide for ourselves when that will be or our study times. That's all good things. Those are good things to be doing. But that's not what it's about. It's about surrender. It's about Monday morning. It's about going to work. It's about engaging with your family. It's about all the things that are struggling, that you struggle with in your life. All of these things that we know that are going on within us. He wants them. He wants them all. Why does he want them? Because he's the only one that can take them and righten us the way we need to go and strengthen us the way we need to go. Could, could somebody go back and check into the, the uh, children's room? Someone just walked in. All right, so let's get, my atten- get your attention back up here. We'll deal with that, whatever's going on. But what I'm saying here is what God wants is he wants all of you, not just part of you. And so when we're coming to this place of this relationship with Jesus, we need to understand that it's all or nothing. Now, again, that's a hard word. That's a hard word to think about, all or nothing. But really, that's what it comes down to. Because if you're hanging on to anything of yourself and you haven't surrendered it, then God is not freely moving in your life the way you want him to. Because you're still controlling this or still trying to control that, still trying to do this, still trying to do that. So we give this up to the Holy Spirit. And then he breathes on us and he sends us wherever he wants to send us to do whatever he wants us to do. And that's like the wind. This is what Jesus was describing. He said, it's like the wind blows. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know necessarily where it's going. And so it is with the believer in Jesus Christ. We're, we, we may come out one day and say, you know what? God's got me going over to the park today. I don't know why, but he's got me over there to talk to somebody. And there are specific cases where he will place you when you're willing when you're willing to break away from your routine, now I know some of us have jobs and we have to be there at certain times. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about within the context of your willingness and your ability, he will put you where you need to be as the wind blows. We're now under his direction, not our own. And that's so freeing for a believer because we've died to our flesh, we've died to the pride, We're now able to hear the Holy Spirit. And when he says go, we go. When he says stop, we stop. When he says move, we move. And these are the things that we need to be in mind. In Acts 17, 28, it says, For in him we live and move and have our being. So in other words, it's all in him. It's all in him. He's in us. We're in him. We're submitted to him. We're now walking with him. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have heard, I'm sorry, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Whose? God's. Not your own. We're no longer in control. Now, if we're Christians today, and we can't grab a hold of this concept that we're not our own anymore, 
then there's a problem in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's out of balance. It is not in the right perspective because God needs control. He won't force it. That's the whole wonderful part about a relationship we have. He's not a forceful God. But he woos us through the power of his spirit, through his love, through his mercy. He woos us, and as he woos us in, we submit to him. Why? Because his ways are the right ways. His ways are the perfect ways. And what does it say in Isaiah? His ways are not our ways, nor are our ways his ways, because he's a perfect God. And this is what defines us as true believers. No sin will be justified before the Lord on the coming day of judgment except that sin which was washed in the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. Cast as far as east from the west, so it won't even be acknowledged. But that's the only sin that was ever justified is under Jesus Christ. No other sin will be. So today, if you're practicing a sinful behavior, meaning a, a living a lifestyle of any sin and believing God is okay with it, he is not. He is not. It doesn't matter what it is or how much you desire it. As we said last week, all sin is judged. And for believers, it's already been judged and paid for at the cross. But for non-believers and pretenders, your day of judgment is coming. Your day of judgment is coming unless you too receive Jesus and are born again. Hear this word this morning. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you were. Key word here. What this really tells us when you read this passage is that you're not born this way. You're making a choice. If you were this, it's because you chose that. If you're not that, it's because you choose not to be. Because it's very clear. Some of you were some of these things. But you were washed. You were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the power or by the Spirit of our God. So there's no excuse. You can't stand before God and say, this is who I am. No, he knows who you are. And right now, and I'm not harping on this group, but it's in the media every day. I can't listen. You cannot turn on the TV or the news and not hear transgender right now. That is the topic of the day. They have all the media attention. So I'm going to speak to that group this morning directly. I'm speaking to it. Whoever knows anyone in this situation, this is the word of God. If you're a man pretending to be a woman or claiming to be a woman or vice versa, changing your name, taking hormones may change the way you look. But when you stand before God, he will not use your preferred pronoun. He will call you by your given name and your body parts of which you were born with. And you, the real you, male or female, there's only two, two genders, period, male or female, will be judged for your sin. Now, this may be harsh to some, but it's a harsh reality. It's the Word of God. It's very clear. I encourage each one 
who struggles. And it doesn't matter. It's not just the transgender. We just saw the list. Adulterers, idolaters. All of these that are in this group that, that was just listed, if you're walking and trying to live in that place, you're not in alignment with God and you're against his word. I encourage anyone who's struggling with your homosexuality, and I know the feelings are real. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here telling you you don't feel what you feel, but you're believing a lie. And there are many people that feel something, but it's a lie, and they keep walking in it because it feels good. But those desires are from the devil. Those desires are not from God. And he wants you to give them over. And so I encourage you, if you hear this message this morning, come to Jesus. Let him show you who you really are. And don't believe the lies of this culture and the lies of this world and the confusion and the insanity that goes along with it. Trust in Jesus. He created you in his image. That's what it said in the very beginning. He created man in his image. Both male and female, he created them. He knows you, the one who is fearfully and wonderfully made. And he wants to embrace you, but he will not embrace your sin. He will not embrace the lifestyle of which you choose that goes against his word. He won't. That's just the Bible. That's the truth. That's the word of God. And the Holy Spirit confirms it in all of those who know him. So let's walk it out. Put it on the line. Come to Jesus. Die to the lies and live in the truth. Jesus is not a truth. As the culture today says, oh, I've got my truth, you've got your truth. No, Jesus is the truth. His word is the truth. Grab a hold and walk in it. Now verses 4 through 21. Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman, back to Samson here, <laughs> in the valley of Sarek, whose name was Delilah. See, many people get Delilah mixed up with the harlot. It's a different person. He slept with the harlot, but now he's in love with Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. That's 11, that's a bunch of it. That's a lot of money. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now men were laying in wait, Staying with her in the room. Now, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how big this room was. But Samson didn't have a clue. Or maybe he thought his strength was so powerful in himself that he didn't care if they were in the room. Whatever the case, they were lying in wait, staying in with her in the room. And she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you've mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me what you may what you may be bound with. So he said to her, If they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. 
Therefore Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And men were lying in wait, staying in the room. But he broke them off his arms like a thread. Delilah said to Samson, Until now you've mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom. So she wove it tightly with the batten of the loom and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled out the batten and the web from the loom. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You've mocked me these three times, had you not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with the words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. That he told her all in his heart. And he said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I'm shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that, that he had told her all in his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he's told me all in his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. When she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and said his strength and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza they bound him there, they bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. So after his stay with the harlot, he now finds himself in love with another woman named Delilah. Another place, another Philistine. He's still not seeking out any people from his own, a wife from his own. Another problem has in his life is he's drawn to women whose character is questionable. He's just drawn to this. They're not trustworthy. His wife did what the Philistines wanted out of fear. Delilah goes along with what they want out of greed. <laughs> but whatever the case may be, neither of them actually cared for him. There was no relationship there. Everything we just read about Delilah was all setting him up. All for the money. Samson couldn't see it. Chose not to see it. Say love is blind. No, lust is blind. True love sees all. God saw all. God knew all. And had Samson been listening, he would have seen. But he wasn't interested. He wasn't interested in that. What he was interested in is what he wanted, when he wanted it, how he wanted it, and all the aspects that go along with that. These women were about their own interest. It also appears that uh, in, in, uh, that he thought his physical strength, he had all this physical strength, he had this power, he had all of this stuff within him, and he was also very gullible. He was very naive. And I believe that these women that he was drawn to knew how to play him like a violin. They knew if they stayed on him, eventually, eventually, he'd cave. So they did. They harped on him and harped on him. Now, he toyed with them a little bit, but ultimately, he gave in to both of them in the same way. 
in chapter 14 regarding his wife, it says, Now she had wept on him for seven days while their feast lasted. And it happened on the seventh day that he told her because she pressed him so much. Then she explained the riddle to her sons or to the sons of her people. And then verse 16 here with Delilah, it says, And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was, was vexed to death. And what this means is it was impatient to the point of death. <laughs> he, just, he just couldn't deal with it anymore. And he told her all in his heart. Now, there's only one word to use here. It's called nagging. They nagged and nagged and nagged and nagged. And he finally said, enough, all right, here it is. I'll tell you everything, just leave me alone. That's what happens when you're not in the right relationship. Now, I'm not going to speak to wives and say, don't nag your husband. You know better anyway. But husbands, don't toy with your wives. An open relationship is an open relationship, meaning communication, understanding, come putting God first in the, in the relationship. That's what it really means. Then none of these things would take place. But these were not godly relationships, were they? They were fleshly relationships. In this case with Delilah, all of his bad decisions and character flaws are going to catch up to him. After telling her everything that's in his heart, she lulls him to sleep and betrays him. Samson trusted the wrong people. And in his pride and self-indulgence, the Lord had departed from him and he didn't even know it. Again, a very important point. See what happens. Satan doesn't always come up and just trip you right up and you're just you're just now caved. He begins to work at it. He begins to work on you a little bit. He begins to whisper this. Just what he did with Eve in the garden. He didn't just come and say, Oh, God's a liar, do this. No. What did he do? He took God's word, twisted it, made her doubt. He worked on her a little bit, worked on the emotions, worked on the thoughts, worked on the desires. And once she listened and said well you know it is good to look at it I'm, I, let me have some of that fruit i'm going to be wise i'm going he lied to her but he lulled her into this place just like delilah lulled samson she you know we get lulled in well satan lulls us in to these lies and before you know it what happens is is we're believing a lie and god has departed his power has departed and we don't even know it we don't even realize that His Spirit has left us. Why? Because we're so self-indulgent in thinking about these other things that we haven't even recognized where we've come. Where we are now in our relationship with God is not where we were. Who moved? We did. He didn't move. Samson allowed himself to be deceived more than once. And allowed himself to be put into this place to where he didn't even know that God had departed from him. And it's a sad moment for anyone who's walked in the power of the Holy Spirit, walked in a relationship with God, and somehow along the way they came to believe that the power they had was really theirs all along. Samson's power was not his power. It was from God. Whatever giftings you have today, whatever 
you want to do in, in, in the kingdom of God. Whatever you think you bring to the table, I'm telling you, it's not yours. And if you think you're bringing something, you better give it over because he'll rip that rug right out from under you. God will not let you do what you want to do in your strength and in your power because it's no good. It means nothing. It has no power within it. The reality is that there is no power within us as believers except God himself. God took with us. He took what is broken. Think about it. When you come to Jesus, you're coming as a broken vessel. If you don't come to Jesus as a broken vessel, but think you're fixed, but you're just coming to him because you think everybody says you're supposed to, don't come. Stay home. Because it's not going to do you any good. Until you come to the point that you realize, I'm a broken vessel. I bring nothing. Anything in me is bad. And then God takes these broken vessels and he molds us into something useful. But when he molds us, he empties us of ourselves or he calls us to empty ourselves before him. And as we become empty, he then fills us with his power to accomplish his will. But it's all him. It's all his strength. It's all his power. And the minute that we believe the power belongs to us or that it's ours, it'll come back on us. And this is true with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are powerful gifts not to be misused, not to be mishandled, but being empty vessels coming that he puts those in us to use as he sees fit, when he sees fit, and how he sees fit. Nothing else about it should be ours. We should never receive something from the Lord and say, look what I've got. I've got the gift of this. I've got the gift of that. Well, hallelujah, congratulations. You may have just lost it because you're trying to carry it in your own strength. Let God use those gifts through you, not coming to the table ourselves because we do no good with it. And even Moses is a good example of this. Moses was the, was the most powerful prophet of all, if you really go back and look at him. Leader God appointed to deliver Israel from Egypt. But God told him what to do. And he's supposed to obey what God told him to do. And at one point, God said, well, the people were thirsty. They were, they were nagging. <laughs> and Moses said, okay, Lord, they're, they're gonna, we need water. And he said, take your staff and hit the rock. And water came forth. And, he, and the people, people drank. He provided that water. But then a second time, the second time, God told Moses to speak to the rock. And we'll read that in Numbers 20, 7 through 11. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, to get, and gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock, and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I've given you. This one act, after all of these years, 40 years in the desert, all of the complaining, 
all of the leading, all the laying on his face before God for these people, leading and doing everything he was supposed to do, this one act cost him delivering them into the promised land. And you say, well, was that such a big deal? Well, yeah, it was a big deal for two reasons. One, he disobeyed God. He hit the rock instead of speaking to it like he was told. That's bad enough. But when he said, we, when he said, we, that changed everything. Because it's not we. There's no we. There's God. He put himself equal with God. And he was angry. He was frustrated with the people. And his action cost him. There's no we for us either. It's all him. It's all his power. Now Samson had come to this place where he was comfortable and confident that all would continue as it always has. No matter what happens. I've got the power. I've got the strength. I will go out as before. He was so comfortable and so confident, but he had deceived himself. He deceived himself. And once he was deceived himself, Delilah used that deception that he already had within himself and then took advantage, gaining his trust and betraying him, deceiving him ultimately. God had departed from him and he had no strength to escape. It says they put out his eyes. The little translation means bored out his eyes. I mean, I can't even imagine that. You know, I've had a splinter in my eye or a little speck of something, and you know how irritating. His eyes were bored out. They took him captive to be a grinder in the prison. And I'm sure they taunted him every day. Oh, look at old Samson now. Where's your power now, Samson? And he had to grind and push on that grinder every day. Now, you would think that this would be the thing that would humble him and bring him to the Lord. But even in this, his heart was full of anger. And even in this, there was very little humility. Verses 22 through 31. However, the hair of his head began to grow back again after it had been shaven. Now, the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god. And to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered him into our hands, Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. So it happened when their hearts were married that they said, Call for Samson that he may perform for us. Again, they were going to mock him. They just wanted to see him move around as though he had strength he didn't have. And so they called and said, um, and so Samson, so they called for Samson from the prison. He performed for them, and they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, Remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once. O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which are supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one in his right hand, the other on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all of his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. And his brothers and all his father's household came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshetol in the tomb of his father Manoah. 
He had judged Israel 20 years. Samson did call upon the Lord. He recognized at that point, you know, hey, I have no strength. I can do nothing. I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord. But he didn't ask for strength back to glorify God. He didn't say, strengthen me once more that you may be glorified to accomplish what you sent me to do, which is to take control, or not take control, but to bring vengeance against the Philistines so that they uh, would release the control they have over Israel. That wasn't in his mind at all. He had no thought of glorifying God. He wanted vengeance for them putting out his eyes. That was what his mindset was at this whole time. Can you imagine day after day grinding in the grinding wheel? You know, I'm going to get my eyes. I can't believe they pull at my eyes. And he just anger, just he was an angry man. And he walked in anger in everything that he did. It's all about him. It was all about him. So what's our takeaway? Simply put, if you don't start well, you won't finish well. From day one of his ministry, if you will, he was walking in rebellion. Did things he wasn't supposed to do. Going back, touching dead carcasses, eating honey out of it, feeding it to his parents, not telling them where it was at. Picking up a jawbone, which he shouldn't have done. Sleeping with harlots. Rebelling, rebelling, rebelling. Now, God used him. We, we see this over and over. God used him in his sovereignty. God knew his character flaws. He used those character flaws against the Philistines. That was God's plan. But it doesn't change the fact that Samson himself chose to walk in this rebellion. And it cost him. It cost him. Now, for us today, God can still use you too in your flaws. I mean, he uses We all still have flaws. We're in this tent. There's a difference between a believer who has flaws, recognizes he has flaws, continues to come before the Lord asking for change, asking for cleansing, asking for deliverance. That's one thing. It's another to be a Christian and come to the Lord and say, okay, God, this is who I am. Now use me. Totally different thing. And God wants to use all of us. We're all watchmen, if you will. We covered that on Wednesday night. We're all watchmen now, assigned to be alert to be able to see what's going on, to seek God's wisdom, His discernment, asking the Spirit for revelation so that we're praying in correct ways. Many times believers aren't praying in the will of God. Why are they not? Why not? Because they want what they want. So therefore they pray, and what they pray for may not be a bad thing, but it may, but it may not be the will of God for them. And it comes back to, again, praying for our country. Is it God's will to heal this land and restore it to normal like it's always been? Well, normal's never been good. We're human. We've messed it up from day one. But is it right to pray for restoration? I'm not saying it's wrong. I mean, the Bible clearly says pray and, and, and seek my face. Humble yourselves first. Humble yourselves. Seek my face. Then I'll heal your land. Speaking directly to Israel in that, in that passage. And many have grabbed that scripture now. Oh, we've got to do this so God will change this and God will fix this and God will do this. But listen, you've got to look at the bigger picture, which God sees. Revelation. <laughs> it's coming. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, you might say, wait a minute. We are, Jesus has already been revealed. Jesus has been revealed as our Savior. He's been revealed as the Redeemer. He's going to be revealed as the Judge. And that's what's coming. 
And so you can look at it and you say, well, yeah, that, but that's down the road. That's not in my lifetime. And for the younger people, I could see you thinking that way. I probably did too when I was in my 30s, 20s, teens, 50s. <laughs> but the older you get, now this is a harsh reality, people. The older you get, the realize you don't have as many days left as you used to. You're on the other side now. You're no longer climbing the mountain. You're kind of cruising back down. So, yeah, second half. So as your mind is going in that direction, you're like, you know, I really don't want to face death, so the Lord's got to be coming back soon. He's going to come back now. Yeah, the Lord's coming back. Hallelujah, the Lord's coming back. He is coming back. He is coming back. But we don't know when that's going to happen. What we do know is we need to put our prayers in alignment with His will. Lord, Your will be done should always conclude every prayer we pray. Not wrong to pray for the nation. Not wrong to pray for change. Not wrong to pray for a restoration. But it's also not right to hang on to that as that this is the only way God's going to do things because that's what we desire so much. We pray according to His will. And here's the thing. God can use us. But if we want the full blessings that He has for us, if we want to receive all that He has for us, and, and that means to the, the direction. It's not just the blessings of what I get. It's the blessings of the relationship. It's the open that you have with the Spirit. It's the walking in, in communion with God. That's the true blessing that we have. Jesus is our blessing. And when we're surrendered to Him, when we're walking in humility, what we have is we have this foundation that we're building upon, and we're not being quenched. The blessings are not being quenched. The Spirit's not being quenched. He's moving us. And he's using us according to his will. But we're called to walk in humility, not in pride. And the old hymn that we've sang many times, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And if it's not the foundation of Jesus Christ and his word and surrender to the Holy Spirit, then you may be building on the wrong foundation. You may be building on a hope of something that God doesn't intend on doing. See, here's a real key thing about being a Christian. It doesn't always happen the way we want it to. God doesn't answer prayers always the way we want Him to. He always answers prayers. But He doesn't necessarily answer them the way we want Him to. And all of us who have walked with Jesus for any length of time have testimony they can say man i prayed and i prayed and i prayed he answered that prayer but boy it came around a whole different way than i thought it was coming and then often we'll make a list and we'll give it to god okay god i prayed about this now you could do it this way preferable oh this is my 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 number one number two number three choices god this is my preferred choice number one number two is good i'll live with number three but anything other than that i really don't think i want it we don't say that, but that's how our minds work. We preconceive how we want God to move, and God says, I'm not doing it that way. It's not that he's mocking us. It's that he knows what's best for us, and he's going to do what's best for us. And we obviously, most of the time, don't know what's best for ourselves. We have to depend upon God. And coming to Jesus is not about bringing your talents it's not about bringing, bringing your strengths. It's about recognizing that you have nothing of value to bring. When you come to that place, you come empty 
He'll fill you. You come full, and there's no room to be filled. He can't fill you with himself if you're full of yourself. He wants that gone. He wants that removed. And this is all part of this relationship that he's called us into. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I went a little long and the battery went dead. <laughs> in Colossians 1, 26 through 27, it says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. It's not we within ourselves. It's not me and Jesus. We're going to get this done. It's it's Jesus. I know you're going to get it done. Use me any way that you see fit to use me. I want to be a part of the battle. I want to be in the army. I want to be on the front line. But I don't want to be on the wrong front line when you're not putting me there. Because if you don't place me where I'm supposed to be, then a lot of the things that come against us are of our own making. Because we're aligning ourselves in a battle we're not supposed to be in. But as the Holy Spirit leads, He will put you in the battle you're supposed to be in, and He will equip you for that battle. Full armor of God. He'll clothe you with Himself. The full armor of God, you know what the full armor really is? It's Jesus. Clothing ourselves in His righteousness. Putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. This armor is Jesus in us. And what we're to do is to say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. We don't need any more than that. And he will take us and he will use us. So the closing question, and I'll leave you with this. What foundation are you building on? Is it the foundation of self-control, self-centeredness, self-will, self-desire? Or is it the foundation of humility and surrender to Jesus Christ, knowing that that foundation is the only foundation we can build upon that will not come crashing down on us. He's our strength. He's our all in all. He's everything we need. We need to build upon Him and then let Him take us where He wants us to go. Let Him blow us around. Just let Him blow us around. And this community will be touched and changed by it by those who are willing to walk in accordance to His will. may not add every seat in the house filled, that's not my goal. <laughs> These chairs are available, but it's not my goal to fill every seat in here. My goal is to speak truth, allow the Holy Spirit to bring the truth to us, then to take it outside these walls and minister. And if you have someone out there that you minister to, who you pray for, who you've encouraged, who you've spoken to, if this is what God's leading you to do, you may never see them again, but if the Spirit of God has touched their heart because of Him using you, God's will has been done. We're not supposed to be fruit counters. We're supposed to be obedient seed sowers. Let him do the collecting. Now, he'll use people for that, don't get me wrong, and he may use some of you for that. But the real truth is is that it doesn't matter what he uses you to do as long as you're willing to do it. 
and then let him bring the harvest. Let him bring it to pass. Amen? Amen. So, Father, we come this morning and we surrender to you. We've seen the life of Samson. We've seen that you did use him. You accomplished what was set forth to do because your will will never be thwarted. It will always be accomplished. But, Lord, I don't want to be a Samson. Do I want the power? Do I want the strength? I want what you give me, but I don't want to hold on to it as though it's mine. And I don't want to take the giftings that you give and say they're mine. And I don't want to be in a place, Lord, where I, I have missed you and taken my eyes off of you because of all these other things that are going on over here around me. And I get so comfortable and so confident of, of what I've been given by you that I lose sight of you. And it's more about the gifts than it is the giver. It should never be about the gifts. It's always about the giver. And so, Father, we come today surrendering our hearts, our minds, our beings, everything within us we lay at your feet. You are the rock. You're the foundation. May we build our lives upon you. If you pour a ministry into us to be done, if it's poured in by you, it will be on that rock. If it's something we come up with to do ourselves, it will not be on the rock. We're not to be works generated. We're to be works obedient. In other words, the faith comes first, then the works. It's not the works and then everything else. The works are given by you. They're not self-generated, and that's what we have to understand and we have to realize. So we surrender to you. We submit to you. We give everything over to you. And for those this morning who are holding on to something, it may be a, a hurt. Maybe it's a hurt of your past. Maybe it's a hurt that, that, that you don't trust. Maybe you can't trust people right now because you never, you've been wounded so much. I just want to speak to you right now in the name of Jesus. God wants to deliver you from that hurt right now. He wants to take it off of you. He wants to reveal himself to you in a way that you can see one you can trust. Because ultimately man will let you down, but God never will. And it being Father's Day, we've celebrated fathers. We prayed for our fathers. We lift them up today as we've done earlier. But Lord, today there are many fathers who are walking in guilt. There are many fathers who maybe aren't walking in guilt but should because of things that they did or ways they acted, not living in accordance to, to, to the way they should based on what a father's supposed to be. And when we're raised in those environments, sometimes, Lord, we see you the way we see our own dad. Oh, he's distant. He abandoned me. He's not faithful to the family. But God, you will never leave us or forsake us. That's what your word tells us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. And I pray for the broken hearts that have never been loved or never saw love in a way that they could understand it. May you reveal your love to them right now. And may you speak to their hearts. And may you change their heart and soften it to be able to trust you. And once, Lord, we learn to trust you, you will bring people into our lives that we can trust. And we can build relationships based on what you call us to do. But it has to be you first. Otherwise, we make choices like Samson did. People we can't trust, we align ourselves with. You're faithful and true. And you remain faithful when we are faithless. God, we love you. We need you. We're desperate for you. And we seek you and we give ourselves to you. Take us now, Lord. Use us for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen.
Can we all please stand? We have heard God's word. We have praised him in song. We have shared sweet fellowship a few moments long. As we leave this place in Jesus' tender care. We will share his love with people everywhere. May God keep us till we gather here, or we meet in the air. We have heard. God's word, we have praised him in song. We have shared sweet fellowship, a few 